We are going to turn back to Galatians chapter 5 now, if you would please. Galatians chapter 5, and we will begin our reading there at verse 16. Galatians 5, 16. Let us hear the word of the Lord. The apostle says, by the Holy Spirit, this I say then, Walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, clearly seen. Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, that is an extreme lust, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, always disagreeable, that's variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ's. Those that belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We'll end our reading there at verse 25. And we do trust that the Lord will breathe upon us today as we meditate upon His Word. I hope this wonderful study of the fruit of the Spirit has been as much a blessing to you as it has been to me. Every one of these nine beautiful words, every one of them has been overflowing with divine grace for my soul. I'm hoping to continue a regular recalling of their meanings and message to my life and for my life on a regular basis. Now, this final virtue of temperance is literally the perfect ending to the, this description of how Christians are to live. The original word occurs just seven times in the New Testament. And you know that seven is the number of perfection or completion. Temperance occurs once in Paul's preaching in Acts 24. Four times in Paul's epistles. And twice in Peter's second letter. 
pretty amazing. Our brother Peter getting a grip on his life by the grace of God. This word is a summing up of all of the nine virtues. As divine love is the spring from whence they all flow, so temperance is the pool that holds and maintains all of these virtues. This noun, translated in our authorized version by two words, temperance and temperate, comes from a verb that has tacked on the front of the verb a little preposition. And so, together, that preposition and that verb mean to get a grip on or literally in strength or in power. It could be any of those. This is the Holy Spirit's power in the heart and life that gives us self-restraint. Restraining ourselves. Strict self-control. Power to keep oneself in check. Having command of ourselves. Especially controlling the appetites of the flesh. And the, I would classify those appetites of the flesh in three ways. As even we see in the uh, works of the flesh, these appetites of the flesh for food and drink, for honor and glory, emulations and strife and all that, and also the, the lust of the flesh for riches and pleasure. All of these things. This virtue of temperance or self-control fulfills the Word of God in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. That's what this word is about. It is this fruit of the Holy Spirit that restrains us from the slavery of all the works of the flesh listed in verses 19 through 21. And you know, some of us can confess that we were indeed slaves in regard to these works of the flesh before the Spirit of God gave us life. The message of the Holy Spirit's fruit was so desperately needed in the Galatian churches because any time, listen, any time legalism takes over the flesh, manifests its various evils in many ways. How do we know? Well, all you've got to do is go back to the gospel accounts 
of what it was like in Jerusalem and Judea when Jesus went there and was confronted by the religious leaders. You remember that the Pharisees and the Sadducees had their grip on the Jewish religious scene. The Sadducees, though they had a majority, they held just as tightly to their heresy as the Pharisees held to their pride of pretended orthodoxy. Both parties were full of the lust and the idolatry and greed of covetousness as seen by the robbery of the poor at the temple tables of exchange. Because Christ called them very directly, said that you've turned God's house into a den of thieves. He called them thieves. Those wicked, envious religious leaders were making a profit on the poor, a great profit to themselves as enriching themselves. And those same religious leaders had that lust for their power, and so they gladly murdered Jesus. They murdered the angel-faced Stephen and many other sincere believers. But they not only did that, but they satisfied their lust in taking the possessions of those believers as well. So the very strong message of Galatians 5.21 was needed to impress upon the people in the first century as much as it's needed to impress upon us that such lifestyles would shut them out of God's eternal kingdom. Let's understand that. When he says, they that do such things, meaning that those that live in these lifestyles shut themselves out of God's eternal kingdom, no matter how outwardly religious they may prepare or pretend to be. That is the biblical meaning of temperance or self-control. Secondly, what is the means or the way of gaining temperance or self-control in our lives. It is a miracle. It is the fruit of the indwelling Holy Spirit. The only way that naturally sinful and out-of-control natures can be brought into submission to Christ is by the work of of the Holy Spirit. To manifest this fruit, you must live in the Spirit. And in order to live in the Spirit, you must be brought to life in the Spirit. Verse 25, to live in the Spirit, spiritually dead sinners must be made alive, must be quickened by the Holy Spirit, must be given real and eternal life by being born of the Holy Spirit, by the miracle of converting grace or effectual calling. You will never manifest these lovely virtues of the Spirit's fruit without the Holy Spirit living in you. It is a matter of saving faith and living by faith. The just shall live by faith. 
It is the gift of God-given faith that brings the spiritually dead sinner into life. Then the believer can live and walk by faith. Faith is what? Faith is trust. Faith is reliance. It is leaning on someone other than ourselves. It is leaning on someone other than ourselves for who they are and for what they have done. It is trust. It is reliance on the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that someone that we've got to lean on is none other than Christ. As Paul said in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. There is where our focus is. It is looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Hebrews 12 and verse 2. Now what is it specifically about Jesus Christ that we must focus our view on? What is it that we must really look at in Jesus and about Jesus? It is the fact of being justified by His blood that we are saved from wrath through Him. Romans 5.9 Because our sin was imputed to Him, the Lord hath laid on Him the iniquity of us all. It is... The fact that our Savior Christ paid the full debt of our guilt and condemnation that we owe to God for all eternity because of our sin and guilt. Thus we are made by God's grace, the very righteousness of God in Him. In who? In Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.21 We are accounted totally righteous, fully pardoned, declared not guilty because Christ took all our guilt and sin and made the full atonement for us. We receive that. We believe that. We rely upon this truth of what Christ has done for us simply by faith. Living by faith and walking by faith in the Holy Spirit is just this. Receiving the ministry of the Holy Spirit within us exactly as that ministry was given to the Holy Spirit by the Father and by our Lord Jesus Christ. I love the upper room discourse, John 14, 15, and 16, because they make it there, it is made so absolutely clear what the Holy Spirit does in directing us to Jesus. John 14, verse 26, the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And listen what Jesus said. And bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. The next chapter, 15, verse 26. When the Comforter is come, listen to Jesus. Not only is the Father sending, but He says, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, 
he shall testify of me. Chapter 16, verse 13. The spirit of truth shall not speak of himself. The Holy Spirit does not speak of himself. He shall glorify me. John 16, verses 13 and 14. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. Growing in the Holy Spirit's fruit and fruitfulness will result as the Spirit of God leads us to grow in Christ and in the knowledge of Christ. For it is the Holy Spirit who speaks not of Himself. He commands us. The Holy Spirit commands us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Last words. 2 Peter 3 verse 18. It is the Spirit of God who is commanding us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As the Holy Spirit shows us more and teaches us more of Jesus Christ and we grow in likeness to our Lord and Savior, we will manifest these virtues of the Spirit's fruit. Because the Lord Jesus had them all in absolute and ultimate perfection in the way that He lived and the way that He still lives. As we go through our time on this earth, we will continue the struggle. As spoken of in Romans 7 and here in Galatians 5, verse 17. As the Holy Spirit works in us and as He works on us. He's working in us and He's also working on us. To make us more and more like Jesus, we will make some steps of progress. Aren't you glad? But I have to say, it's like Chuck Swindoll entitled his book. What is it? Uh, two Steps Forward and one step backwards or whatever it is. We make a few steps in progress and then sadly we have some steps of regress. And then some more steps of progress and then some sorrowful steps of failure. We're not perfect in it. We won't be perfect in this world. We will cry out with the Apostle Paul from the depths of our being, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? My flesh. He says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. He didn't stop. Chapter division wasn't there in the original. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What does he mean? I'm not perfect down here, but I continue to pursue Christ and to endeavor to follow the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be walking after the Spirit rather than walking after the flesh. It means I'm not letting myself go to just go ahead and wallow in all the sin because I'm not perfect in this world. 
I'm not just going to let myself go. Well, you know, I'm a sinner, so I might as well go ahead and just do some more sin. No. That is the very point of this virtue of temperance. We must, as Christians, get a grip on ourselves now. Because we look forward to the day when we will join the multitude above called the spirits of just men made perfect. Hebrews 12, 23. Let's get a, liberal, a literal interpretation of that. It says the spirits of the justified ones having been perfected. Where they are now. They're gathered around the throne of God above. And that they've gone there and they've seen Jesus. They become like him. They are the spirits of the justified. Literally, in the perfect tense, having been perfected. We look forward to that. There's an exciting future for the people of God to be made perfect and like Jesus. May God help us. Let us pray. We thank thee, our Father in heaven, for thy precious word. We thank thee that the word convicts us of our sin. But Lord, we thank thee that we're not left there but we're given great hope in the work of the Spirit of God applying the benefits of Christ's redemption to us and then ultimately glorification. We thank Thee, O Lord. We pray that Thou wilt cause us to be glad and rejoice this day that Thou hast not left us in our natural ignorance, but Thou hast brought to us the truth of Thy full gospel. We rejoice in Thee. In Jesus' name, amen.